Welcome to the Next Trip Podcast with Doug and Drew. This is an aviation and travel podcast covering current topics and trip reviews with multiple course deviations on our route. All thoughts and opinions are our own. Welcome to Boarding Pass 18, everyone. This is Drew, and I'm here with Doug. We're two avgeeks and aviation professionals, creating a safe space for other avgeeks and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. Good day, everyone. Hopefully, you've managed to stay good spirits in the last week. These are definitely difficult times, no doubt, but we will get through it. And just remember that together, we're aviation tough. Thanks, Doug. Yes, we are. So we're joined uh, once again by a return guest and a friend of mine, AvGeek celebrity and founder of AirlineGeeks.com, Ryan Ewing. Ryan, welcome back. Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks. Yeah, welcome back, Ryan. We're uh, excited to have you on. Um, in case you didn't know, there was a new word that was added to the dictionary uh, since the last time that you were on the show with us. <laughs> what is that? COVID-19. Oh, okay. <laughs> sorry. Oh, yeah. Sorry Something for the... Thanks. Sorry. I didn't even know yeah. it was in the, the dictionary. Yeah, sorry for the joke. It may not be. I don't know, but um, no. it, it probably will be. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, with, with that kind of depressing intro, before we get into our, our topics, something that we want to revisit, and we've talked about this a lot recently, and no, we're not talking about COVID-19 or even the 737 MAX. We are talking about something that, quote, has a unique taste and is crunchy like no other. And no, mm-hmm. I did not make that up. I know, Drew, you're rolling your eyes. It came straight from the company's landing page on their website. Now, yeah. um, we're talking about Biscoff. Sorry that we keep coming back to this, but Drew, you found an article in Conde Nast this week. So like we say, we're always one step ahead of everyone else. So what'd you find? Well, yeah, you know, we were talking about this during simpler times, right? In December, we were on a flight from LA to San Francisco, and then the flight attendants were passing out the stack, and we got the Biscoff, and I was like, okay, can, can we just talk about this for a moment? And then we started, like, obsessing over Biscoff <laughs> right then. I'm like, what's the deal? Why, is, why do AvGeeks love this so much? So this was in December. So sure enough, March 23rd, Condé Nast does a whole article on Biscoff and the AvGeek craze about Biscoff. So just real quick, I mean, here's, because everyone wants to know, here's a quick fact sheet on Biscoff. It's a spiced shortbread cookie from the Netherlands and Belgium. It's associated with Christmas, made by a company named Lotus in Belgium. It was started in 1932. The name is thought to be a combination of biscuit and coffee. Uh, Delta, um, Doug's favorite airline, started serving them in the mid-80s and then UA and AA came along in the 90s. Uh, Delta even has them with their logo on it. Um, Ryan, what's your thoughts on this this amazing cookie? It's a little dry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, that's I why say, it goes with coffee. Well, I will, will yeah. say, though, the, like, the, the best airline stack still remains the uh, Schwabble. Um, there's no question. <laughs> Can you put that on your airplane coffee? Um, yeah, and, you know you can't go wrong with that. Um, but you know, I just I've never really been a Biscoff guy. Um, it's uh, sticks to your teeth, though. It does. Yeah, it's gluey. but it's better than it's better than dryness, and then having to like <laughs> gasp for air. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but then, Ryan, you probably don't drink coffee then. I do drink coffee, but I, I mean, I guess I've never dipped it in my coffee. Maybe I should try that. I know that's. That's the design, but I've never done that. I don't know. Does United serve those? I don't even. Biscoff? Yeah. Now you get it. Oh, wait. No, no. No, not until May or June. They they stopped, but they're coming back. Well, that's the scandal because they they took it away and replaced it with Oreo Thins. 
So of course, Twitter blew That's up. That's so much better. It is better. And you know, this is an American carrier. So maybe we should serve a classic American cookie versus something, you know, from Belgium and the Netherlands. But. Yeah. So as I was going through my memory box of all my uh, memorabilia this week, I found some peanuts from ATA and Northwest. And I think I had some Southwest peanuts too. I know that peanut allergies are big. And, and so that's not a thing that airlines do anymore. But I feel like Biscoff has turned into the new peanuts. Like everyone used to think of peanuts when they flew. Right. Biscoff has kind of turned into that thing now. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's like uh, what we talk about Pavlov's dog. When they see Biscoff, they think airplanes and they love it. Right. And then who is it? Uh, Cranky Flyer was quoted in this article saying he remembers flying to Hawaii on the Biscoff and he probably associates Biscoff with that. Yeah. And then one more story, you know, this is so funny. So one of our followers, Kyle Omni Snoozer is his handle on Twitter. So he posts a picture of a Delta plastic plane flying over a pack of Biscoff cookies. I thought it was so funny. And then it says he's flying in quotes under quarantine. <laughs> he's flying Delta under quarantine. So of course I had to put a United triple plastic triple seven model flying over oreo thins i am too <laughs> well and then someone else put edelweiss they, they yes a, martin hammer yeah yeah so edelweiss serves this cookie called biberly's so i had to google this it looks fantastic so hopefully he can send us some or we can google where to get them it's a cookie like a um a biscoff but it looks um it doesn't look as crumbly yeah ryan, so you may like it. ryan have you flown edelweiss no i've never flown them before yeah, I I haven't either, Drew. I, they're they're Lufthansa Group, I think, right? Edelweiss Swiss subsidiary, I think. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think Martin was talking about flying a flight for Edelweiss. I don't know if they were, you know, covering for Edelweiss or something, but he was flying one of their routes, and that was what they were serving. Hmm, interesting. All right, well, let's move on. Uh, it's always good to have an escape like like Biscoff, and hopefully, we can keep coming back to that topic uh, in the next few weeks or months as as this. COVID-19 thing really starts to kind of dig in. Um, so regarding COVID-19, there's been so much has happened in the last week that really it's impossible for us to talk about it all. And at this point, we know that everyone's probably tired of hearing about it. I know I am. I know Drew is. I know Ryan is too. And, and Ryan definitely has been covering it a lot on airlinegeeks.com. And yep. I've been doing a little bit on my website and on Twitter. So it's just, it's really consuming everyone. So with that, um, as we said, Ryan hasn't been on the show since December, well before all of this kicked off. So we, we kind of want to just get his perspective on it, um, especially as someone who's been covering this industry in a really great depth over the last decade or so. Um, so we're, we're going to kick it over to Ryan and just let him talk about it. We'll have some open discussion. But one ground rule, um, we're, we're going to try not to mention all the aircraft reco- uh, re- excuse me, retirements that have happened this last week because we're actually going to have a full segment on that here in a little bit. So with that, Ryan, COVID-19, what, what are your thoughts on the industry today? Um, well, I mean, I think it's, it's kind of obvious in terms of, you know, the impact that it's ha- having on the industry. So I don't really want to talk about that. I mean, if, if you just sort of look at what the government had to do to bail out the industry, it's, it's pretty obvious of the gravity of the situation. Um, it, it's certainly weird to kind of see it like this, um, for lack of a better term. Uh, you know, you just, you know, you walk outside, especially for somebody like me who lives kind of under an approach path 
um, it's just you don't hear as many planes. Mm. I look out my window and I don't see the stack that I normally see coming in here, um, Sky Harbor. Uh, so the list the list kind of goes on with with all that stuff, and you know, you, know, you got planes with twelve people on them, and some people, some with one person on them. But uh, you know, I think um, at the end of the day, you know, what you kind of have to look at is um, the long-term impact of this and i and i think even if the sort of virus were to whatever they call it flattening the curve mm, yep. were to happen and people were to start flying again or the airlines were able to sort of start opening routes up again and sort of building up demand i still don't think people are going to want to get back on an airplane for a while and travel right first of all because there's the fear factor and then second of all you know, U.S. domestic travel, I don't think will be much of a problem. It's, uh, it's international travel that, that I still think will remain an issue. Uh, uh, meaning that, you know, people who want to travel overseas or whatever, the border restrictions are still going to be in place. Um, for, I think for, for a while, I just think that's going to be the nature of it. Um, especially the bigger, more effective, you know, Italy, China. I just think people are going to be caught in a, in a, uh, you know, crossfire of, you know, world leaders aren't going to want to release their border restrictions because they don't want to be liable for round okay. two of the spread. Yeah. So, you know, I think that'll be a big issue and the airlines are going to pay for that as usual because they're always at the center of, of any sort of geopolitical issue. Um, and, you know, I, I was on a flight the other day, I, I was flying home and I was just kind of chatting with the, uh, the uh, flight attendant. It was a, you know older guy. He'd been at, uh, the airline for 20 years and I, and he goes you know he says this is worse than 9-11 he says I've never seen demand just drop like this so quickly yeah. um, so and I think TSA screened their their lowest number of passengers I mean, it was like it was since basically when they were put into place at post 9-11 so uh, it's it's just kind of crazy to see it like this like you know uh, yeah, I, I read the I read the other day that um, they screened the fewest fewest number of passengers since Christmas of 2016. Which, yeah, but it, it's, it even went lower. I think yeah. it was like 2010. I think now or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah which is it's crazy. Um, one one thing that Drew and I talked about last week was how some of the domestic only carriers or carriers that really don't have a large international route network beyond say Central America and, and Canada, like Alaska and, and Southwest that they hadn't grounded anywhere near as many flights as, as mm-hmm. United Delta American and so on. So that really kind of goes to show with what, what you were talking about, Ryan, the international traffic. And it shows how much of that traffic is actually feed to the big hubs for all those international flights. Now, um, after we spoke last week, uh, just a couple of cleanup items, Alaska now has increased their groundings. I think they're up to 40% um, for April. And then, um, I don't remember what the number is for May, but it's more. So they're they're finally kind of getting on board with some of these cuts because I know Drew was saying it doesn't make sense to only yeah. fly ten percent schedule cut with empty planes. Um, and then one look more. at JetBlue. JetBlue was ridiculous. It was like fifteen or twenty percent. What are they thinking? You know? Yeah, they're they're starting to make more cuts now too. Um, and then literally within an hour after we recorded on Sunday last week, because we had talked about how Emirates canceled everything and then uncanceled. Uh, like an hour after we finished recording, they went back to a full up 100% cancellation and they, uh, they stopped flying on, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday of this week. 
But um, so, so something else I've seen a lot on social media is people talking about this idea that kind of we're, we're living in the golden age of aviation and we didn't even realize it and it's gone and it's not coming back. Now it's way too early to, to be able to predict anything. But um, I, I remember people saying that after nine 11 as well. <laughs> and um, if you look <laughs> at the, the decades of the 2010s, which saw, the rise of premium economy, lay flat, first class seats, huge increases in, in business class and first class lounges popping up all over the place. Um, at the time, going through September 11th, and I know Drew's going to have a story here in a little while, but um, it seemed like it was dire. It seemed like everything was done. It did take a while to come back, but it did, and it, it came back even stronger. So I know that there are going to be all these border restrictions for months and, and possibly longer to come, but I really think that the industry is going to bounce back and it's going to bounce back in even a better way than it was before. Um, but it, it is because travel is a growth industry. You know, long term, it's a growth industry because people just that's something that people want to do as there's more people in the middle class around the world. And we talk about this with India and China. Right. You know, so it's going to happen. It's going to take I, my estimate is going to take at least a year to get some sense of normalcy. Mm-hmm. I think next year, if we go to like 2017 load factors, I'd be happy, you know? So I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, and, and, uh, the conference I was supposed to go to next month, they canceled. I know I read that press release a couple episodes ago and, um, they were saying that in September 11th, they were still predicting doubling of air traffic around the world in the next decade. And in the short term, it didn't happen, but in the long term, it was even more than what they had predicted. And they said, mm-hmm. through this, we are still predicting a doubling in the next, in the next decade. Yeah. Um, so, Ryan, you were talking about not seeing a stack of planes coming into Phoenix. So yesterday I tweeted a really sad picture of me in an empty airport terminal. So, um, of course, uh, Doug has to make fun of it and sends me another picture where he sees two people in the distance. And he has a little measuring thing. He said, they're, they're five feet apart. <laughs> so, it, was, it, was yeah. an uns- it was an unscientific measuring tool uh, <laughs> using the markup app. But yeah, I, I, had to, I had to find some humor in that. Yeah, but you know, in all seriousness, for everyone out there, maintain six feet. So in our office, we've separated. There's very few people in the office because we've divided it into two. So we sent about five of my people to another area in flight ops where they're completely separate. We don't have any contact with them. They have their own van. So that way, if something happens to one of us, there's another five people that can run the airline. So we're set up. And I really hope these ATC facilities are doing the same thing because there's way too many. Oh, ATC zero. Right? So. Yeah. Yeah, Their facilities are so packed in up there. I mean, the tower cabs are so tight. And then their Mm. tricons. I'd love to know what the plan is. I, I don't know. But I know they've had issues, you know, with Vegas and then you know, Indianapolis center. Yeah. Drew and I were yeah, talking about others. this before you hopped on, Ryan, I, I had to, uh, Sam on Friday and I mean, our flight deck is it's a, it's a DC 10. It's pretty big, but definitely can't get six feet six separation. Feet, yeah. And the, the flight engineer actually sets our, our power on the throttles on every takeoff. So one person has a hand on the throttles and then the flight engineer is touching behind and, and pushing them up. So, I mean, social distance where you can, but there are some industries where it's just, it's impossible you just you can't, yeah no you can't did you guys it. see that video i think it was on twitter where the captain is setting the instruments right and yes. right after that some, the co-pilot wiping, is wiping it wiping down it. <laughs> <laughs> they should be doing that anyways like i don't know why 
like this hopefully this whole thing teaches people you know basic you know hygiene when it comes to stuff like that like yeah i mean you know just wearing a mask in public you go to asia everybody does it i don't know why we never do it here yeah and you know planes will probably be cleaner going oh, yeah. forward i, oh, I yeah. saw saw someone on twitter i don't remember who it was a pilot saying that um they can actually see the silver on some of the switches now that have been black for the past several years because they're finally getting cleaned down to down to the the base metal. Yeah. All right. You want to move on to um, my little story? Yeah, let's, it could be let's worse. do it. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want to say it could be worse because we don't know how this is going to go. You know, it's week by week we're finding, but Ryan, I don't know how old you were in, um, during 9-11 but i was uh, at work i was work, at work at dca as a new supervisor we had just been through the summer of 2000 with contract issues um you know and it was a tough station because of a unionized station and i had just gotten to a point a comfort level it's like i got this you know i got this and then 9-11 happens this is a year into my career at my new airline management job were you at work Oh yeah, you were okay. <clears throat> yeah, let me tell you. So I'm um, at work. It's a beautiful sunny day, um, and then we start hearing stuff. We think it was um, the first reports was it was a private plane went into uh, the World Trade Center. So I'm like, all right, we don't know anything, guys. Just if anyone asks, just say we don't know. Just keep calm and be normal. And then I remember the customer service agent bringing me a teletype. You know, we get these messages over mm-hmm. the printer. You know, saying that one of our aircraft has been involved. Um, in New York, I'm like, then it got real, real fast. And I'm the only management person there. And then as this is happening, I'm walking to the gates to tell everyone to calm down. We don't know. I'm seeing smoke come out from uh, the Pentagon. I'm like, oh, shoot. So in the next few hours, we, I, I am literally escorting people out of the terminal. And as airlines, we're escorting people away from the terminal across Jefferson Davis Highway into Arlington. Because as we're doing this, we're hearing that DCA might be a target. Mm-hmm. So you guys, I mean, this is, I mean, I'm not, to, for me, that was worse. Because that was scary and shocking. And we had very little time to prepare. Um, and we thought DCA was actually closed for about a month. Closed. Zero. So. I, I, I remember discussions that it may not open again. Yes. Yeah. And be- even because of its there, pro- like, because of its proximity to, um, to all the government buildings and, and facilities and all that. Right. And we actually thought that that would happen. And, you know, I actually got laid off uh, a couple months after this, but things always work out, guys. So I had another job within two weeks working for the FAA. And then six months later, I was back at the airlines. And then from there, you know, we went through some struggles. But then we had like 10 years recently of really positive growth and big profits. So it's going to turn around. Just give it a year, two years. There's going to be difficulty for all of us. And, you know, Doug, your wife doesn't work in the airline industry. My partner doesn't work in the airline industry. We're all dealing with this. Mm-hmm. It's very stressful, but just know it is going to get better. Um, what do you guys think? Yeah, Ryan, go, go ahead. I'll, I'll finish up. No, I, I just, it was interesting. I, you said about the FAA job. I, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, you know, now, and again, I, um, you know, I certainly have a ton of respect for the airline people people who work at the airlines it, it's such a fluid industry you know you guys are always the first to kind of feel the pain but right um there's times like these where i'm you know and i'm sure you were with the fa where you're working for the government especially in an aviation job mm-hmm. is such a bad gig when it comes to security 
No, it's yeah, it's boring. I, well, I don't want to yes. say it's it's different. You're not always jumping through hoops and putting out fires, but it, there's a lot of stability, and I think Doug could speak to that too. I mean, you know, for for whatever it's worth, I you know being considered essential government employee, you know, even though my hours have been cut significantly, I you know mm-hmm. not significantly actually, I just not a lot of work overtime, but um, you know, it's still it's still you know. I feel like I have a better sense of security. Whereas if I worked for an airline, I'd be, you know, pretty nervous right now. And um, I think you as a more senior airline employee, I think you have a little bit, probably a little bit more confidence after living through 9-11 of all this. But, um, you know, I know enough pilots and I were super senior. We're at the point now where they're like, yeah, you know, I haven't flown in a couple of weeks and I'm not, I don't have anything on my schedule for a while, but they're like, you know what? It's fine because, you know, I still get paid and, um, you know, I've seen you enough where I don't think they'll furlough me, but, um, you know, I feel bad for the guys, you know, who I, you know, work with all the time who are, you know, in flight school and are trying to get their airline first airline job, trying to get hired at the regionals to, and, you know, it's too bad, but, you know, there's so many hiring freezes going on right now, you know, the regionals aren't, aren't hiring. So for the most part. 9-11 compared to this, there definitely is that fear factor that Drew talked about. But the thing about 9-11 that's a little bit different is there was always that fear for the next several years, like when is something like this going to happen again? I, I'm optimistic that with this thing, once we get through it, once we flatten the curve and start to decrease it, as people say, once we start to get medications out there, all of that, I think that 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 fear will go away in people's mm-hmm. minds, or it, at least yeah. I, I hope it will. And it's like it's with 9-11. Not, it, exactly. Um, it, it's not like, okay, well, when is, when is this next thing going to possibly pop up kind of right after 9-11? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the, the parallels are there, but um, I mean, all, all the, the CEOs and everyone are saying that it's hitting them worse in the short term, at least than anything that they've, they've ever experienced before. We got to move on to a lighter topic, but I just want to make a, I, th- I think the whole world is going to get a reality check from this. So in terms of viruses, viruses don't care about borders. So when it happens again, if we're smart, you know, as a world, as a planet, we'll know when something pops up, everyone needs to send resources to stop it where it starts. And it's kind of what we did in Ebola, even though that was different. We did go to Africa Obama sent the U.S. military to Africa to help mm-hmm. them build hospitals to help them stop it there. So that's something that we need to, you know, putting up borders and travel restrictions, it's not going to work. The virus doesn't just stay in one country. All right. Um, in a way, our next few discussions, you guys, are semi-COVID related, uh, but we're going to talk about them from an Avgate perspective more than like a news report perspective. Um, we mentioned last week with all of these airlines around the world parking their planes, there is a good chance that some of the fleet types that we love may, might never fly again. And it's been a very trying time right now as we see these early retirements. So um, last episode, we talked about the KLM 747. Um, we're recording today on Sunday, March 29th. And as we're recording, the last flight uh, from Mexico City landed in Amsterdam with the KLM 747, and that was it for the KLM 47, as far as we know. Also, Qantas had their last revenue flight. Uh, I believe that was from Santiago, Chile, and uh, beautiful videos uh, with of that plane landing in uh, Sydney, by the way. So that was it for that bird. So that's sad. 
Um, and then American is also rumored to have flown the last 757 for the first time, or their last 757. But today, our focus is on one plane. It's the uh, MD-80. Well, it, I guess a series of planes, the MD-88 and the MD-90s. And um, before we get to Doug, who has some more information on it, we got to do a little fact sheet for those people that are not as av geek as us. MD-80 um, came out of the DC-9, which was a design from the 1960s. So in the early 1980s, the DC-9-80, which became the MD-80, started flying. And that's the plane that we're going to talk about. Doug? Yeah, the, uh, regarding Delta, the MD-88s were already planned to be phased out by the end of this year, and the MD-90s by the end of 2022. Um, and kind of why we're talking about it right now is Delta CEO Ed Bastian in a memo to employees last week that they released to the public uh, when they were talking about grounding 600 airplanes, they said that the retirement of the MD-88, MD-90 is going to be expedited. So there was no date that was actually set, but tracking a lot in the last week, they're going. a lot of them are going to Blytheville, Arkansas, which if you guys look on Google Maps at Blytheville, uh, if you have the stomach for it, it basically is a place where airplanes go to die. They they don't make it out of there. Um, yeah. Delta sent a lot of their MD-88s over the years there, and they end up without tails, without wings, without engines. So one can one can guess that any airplane that goes there is not going to make it out. Um, so that's kind of why we're why we're talking about this again. There is no date that is set, um, and I know that some of the um, the naysayers out there will say, okay, well, the 717 is still going to continue flying. So it's not like the DC-9 line is completely done. Hawaiian still has them. Delta still has them. A couple other airlines still have the 717. But we're talking about this because this is really such a big deal in that all these retirements are coming kind of out of nowhere. Um, I know we're, we're going to get to Ryan here in a sec. He covered the the last MD-80 flight for American last fall, which had so much fanfare in the send-off. And regardless of whether you like the airplanes or not, from a passenger comfort perspective, from a PAXX perspective, um, these airplanes deserve more of a send-off than everyone tweeting saying, this could be it. Oh, wait, no, we have one more day. This could be it. I guarantee the loads on most of those airplanes were incredibly low. Um, people like Ryan who have a chance to cover a lot of these things and actually fly on them, wasn't able to be on it because of quarantine, because of lots of different situations. So that's kind of why this is, this is a big deal. Um, so Ryan, what, what are your thoughts on, on some of these? I don't know. I mean, the, the American one, the seven five, it's being stored is what the airline officially says, um, which Depending on how long this lasts, I guess one can infer from that 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 means a little bit more than just putting an airplane in the desert for storage right riding out the storm. Yeah. Um literally, because in Tulsa they had a really the Americans parked a ton this is a fun little fact here to go along. It's a little off tangent, but Americans parked a heck of a lot of planes over in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is their maintenance base. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's had a like tornado in Tulsa with hail and everything. So not really the best place to park an air bunch of, you know, brand new triple sevens, but our triple wait, did they, are you saying they just had that? Yeah. The yeah. yeah. The yeah, other day, the other day. Oh no. Yeah. Okay. So hopefully they didn't do too much damage, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, but regarding the retirement, you know, yeah, I went on the last MD-80 flight. I mean, it was, it was super emotional. I mean, I grew up on that plane and, you know, that was my, 
mode of transport growing up and you know it, it was sad to see it sort of uh to go but you know now with the potentiality that the seven five is going to be retired and the seven six and all these others it kind of hits home because you know you can't celebrate it you can't you can't do anything with it so yeah i mean the the MD-88 and MD-90 for Delta, um, I didn't realize how much of a personal connection I had to it until I started kind of going back through logs and, and photos and did a piece on the website for it. Um, I mean, that airplane literally carried me to visit people for the last time before they passed away, to funerals, to mm-hmm. happy things as well, like purchasing my house for the first time, even my wedding. I mean, I had this this personal connection with that airplane over the over the decades. And so, okay, yeah, it's not the most comfortable on the inside, but it's, it's one of those things where it's like, even though we're moving on to newer things, it doesn't mean that you don't have a personal connection to it. And I kind of ended my piece by saying, that's why aviation is going to come back. That's why it's going to rebound because it's so much more than just the airplane itself. It's what, it's what aviation and what the airplane stands for. Like you were saying, Drew, Aviation is what carries people around the world, whether it's for that's not going to end, whether it's for enjoyment, for vacation, for work, VFR, we call it visiting friends and relatives. Um, it will continue. It has to continue because as as a human race, that is what we are. That That is what we do. We, we well, it's a it's an in, innate need to want to travel and see different places. That's not going to go away. Exactly. And it's it's the airplane that gets us there. And, and that's why aviation will rebound yeah we got to talk about all our cool nicknames but um my you guys you know fly delta and american a lot i'm from a more united background even even as a civilian (laughs) i was usually flying united because i was in san francisco but then i was working for express and my first jet airline really was reno air and that's all we flew. We flew MD-80s and MD-90s, and it was just the coolest thing. It's like, wow, I'm working for an airline that flies jets. And, you know, as I remember back, that thing was so reliable. I really don't remember maintenance being an issue even. I really don't. That thing was so long. And I remember when we got our first, we had a bunch of MD-80s from SAS, Midwest Express, you know, just a, a mixed bag of planes that they could get cheap. But then we got five MD-90s. Uh, we were so excited. Brand new plane. And that interior on our Reno Air MD-80s had dark green leather, first class seats, bright green fabric seats in the back. I, I just remember that. Like, that was that was ours. It was our new toy. Now, you called it the flagship, right? It was our flagship. Yeah. Yeah. And then they were named, the MD-90s were like the Orange County Flyer and the, you know, the West Coast Flyer. They had these nicknames. But, um, you know, it, we felt like it was ours. I mean, my friend Neil might be listening. He's a listener. He's a, um, a 737 pilot now, but working in operations, making $7.40 an hour, you know, back then it was so much fun, but we really felt like we were, we were the airline. So, you know, it was uh, good memories of the MD-80. There, there's a glimmer of hope. Um, I don't know if you saw this, Ryan. Drew, you, you, I think you were the one who, who found this and brought it to my attention. So what's, what's this, this glimmer? Yeah, so someone on Twitter, his handle is, well, his name is Sosus. His handle is at S-O-S-U-S-328. He says, hang in there. Word is that uh, 20 Delta Mad Dogs will survive the bloodbath and fly into the fall. Um, MD-90s are gone by May 1st. Um, Hashtag sad dog. So this is unverified, but it sounds like he may have some insider information. So 
I put something out on Twitter. If the 80s or 90s survive this, I am booking a ticket so fast before it's so late because we're running out of time. I would like to fly that one more time. Yeah, and you said we should do an AvGeek trip. Uh, I know Nate from Nate in the Air signed up. Uh, I, I think Ryan liked it as well. So let's get some AvGeeks together. And even if it's not the last flight, let's go uh, go fly Delta Mad Dog one last time. Well, Ryan from AirlineGeeks.com is going to be invited to the last flight, of course. Of course, maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe you can do a regular flight with us too, Ryan. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't even know, you know, who knows? I mean, I, I would hope, you know, maybe the audience would do something, but I think, you know, with everything going on, it's the budget's a little low probably too to do an event like that. I was just thinking about that the other day, but yeah. I'm trying to get one last 757 flight in too, at least with American. I mm. get another airplane spend a lot of time on so I've, you know if i have to fly it with four people i will it's just yeah. it's, that's sentimental value and i know that sounds bad or we're supposed to social distance but hopefully this will maybe the curb flatten and we'll still have a chance you know i got my one and only 757 or 767 flight in uh, with american cancun to miami a couple weeks ago so um, yeah that was a know, shock that was that a was couple of weeks ago right ryan where they yeah that was right before everything stopped i'm like okay i'm so glad i got that that was the one last one i needed yeah. All right. Let's get um, let's get to our uh, uh, MD80 nicknames. Doug, you have our poll. Yeah. So we we've called it a couple different things here. Um, so we put it out to the listeners and and we asked them what they call it. So we said, do you call it MD80? Do you call it Super 80? Or do you call it Mad Dog? Uh, and then we gave an other as well. Uh, Bird Bird Duder three four four was the only person who voted for other, and he said, I call it DC nine. So <laughs> there there you go. DC but, nine. 29% said MD80, uh, 18% said Super 80. So we know that we've got 18% of our listeners who are American flyers. Uh, and then Or, or Gen Xers, yeah, not 50, necessarily American. 52% said Mad Dog. So I know, Drew, you've got something on the Super 80. Oh, yeah. So, you know, as a kid um, in the 80s, I used to call it Super 80 because my dad and I used to go, go watch planes and we would call it the Super 80. And I went back, it's like, why did we call it that? And it's because... In the 80s, um, the marketing went from uh, DC to MD. So it used to be the DC 9-80, and their marketing for it was the Super 80. And I went back and I looked at American's brochure from 1983, and it says, come fly American Super 80s. So that was the, tag, the tagline. So that's what we used to call it. And then later on in life, like even now, I refer to it as the MD-80 because that's what everyone calls it. Yeah, and I mean, I've I've really only seen American actually call it the Super 80. I, I've never heard Delta call it that. Um, I, I don't know what, what Reno did, but I've got a lot of lot of buddies who fly, who fly the 88 and the 90 um, as pilots, yeah. and they call it the Mad Dog. Well, you just, okay, so you asked Reno Air. We called it the MD-80 because that was in the yeah. 90s. Yeah. R- Ryan, what, what do you call it? I call it. It depends. It depends on the mood. Um, sometimes Super 80, sometimes the MD80. Just depends. You know, you gotta you gotta selectively have names for it for different occasions. <laughs> well, yeah. When you're feeling nostalgic, apparently you call it the Super 80 because that's what you yeah. referred to it in your article. No, that is. But I have to be careful because that's that was the American branding for when they bought it. They called it the Super 80. Oh, the so Americans it is back American. in the day used to have like names for their planes, like DC-10. I think. I don't know, it's way predated my time, but I think they used to call it the luxury jet. Yes. Maybe that's luxury. luxury liner. Yeah. Luxury yeah. liner, right. So they had names. Super 80 was the thing. So, yeah. I mean, but, you know. It, Ryan, do you remember what they called their 747? Uh, no, I can't remember. 
The Astro Liner. Really? Okay. Yeah. It was the SP model, so yeah, that would make sense. I think the 57 was a luxury jet. Was it luxury jet? I think luxury jet, yeah. Okay. That might be another episode discussion. Yeah. But, um, you know, there's some other cool names. I, I found two on your article, Ryan. Greasy 9 <laughs> and uh, Diesel 9. Yeah, the Greasy Niner, yeah. <laughs> really and then there's cool. someone who said, I don't know if it was a mechanic or a pilot at American. Someone said that they used to call it the, uh, the lead sled because it flew at 0.75 Mach versus like 0.80, like the 737. Yeah, I've heard that. I remember that one. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, what about you, Doug? You heard anything? I called the Mad Dog. No, I, I called the Mad Dog. Yeah, Doug, you have a really good uh, you have a good article on it too. Just recently, Ode to the MD80, focusing on deltas. Yeah, well, the Ode to them, the I did one for the the Super 80, but then I also did one, like I said, for Delta, and that's where I kind of get very emotional about everything that it's that it's done for me over the years, and uh, a lot of interior pictures, a lot of exterior pictures. Um, if if and when this is it for the for the mad dog um it's a, it's a sad day um i know we're moving on to to brighter and, and cleaner and newer things like the a220 so it's 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 good it's good that, yeah. that we are moving on to something new but just that nostalgic piece and and everything that it's meant to both me personally and and the airlines and and other people over the years it's uh you know it's sad it's been part of our AvGeek lives. But, you know, you talked about the 717. We'll have that for a few years. All right, so um, I'm going to have to apologize to one of our followers, Martin Hammer. Um, he suggested that we talk about uh, the BA-146 slash Avrojet RJ. So we're going to have to save that. I have stories with that and United Express, so we'll come back to that. Yeah, all right. Well, before we move on to, uh, to close things out, I, I want to clean up our poll from last week, the L-1011 versus the DC-10. And when we recorded, they were even. It was 50% either way. Uh, the people voted for both. Since we recorded and since the poll closed, the L-1011 jumped out to a 19-point lead, which technically is within Drew's unscientific margin of error that he mentioned. But come on, seriously, please don't tell me that my uh, biased, completely biased <laughs> monologue and love for the DC-10 swayed your opinion. No, I, th- I think... So This there's a Twitter... Um, group called at trijet which is um you know which is about the l1011 and i think they were stuffing the ballot so <laughs> last minute uh l1011 went ahead but you know there's no i looked for a dc10 nostalgic twitter group and there's none so doug and i have started one ourselves. it's called dc10s forever it's dc10s forever so I've, we put some pictures on there, so feel free to share. And then next year, we'll do this poll again because we'll have that uh, muscle behind us with um, <laughs> hopefully thousands of people that will vote DC-10. Uh, Ryan, you got any stories for us? DC-10 kind of predated me. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised you had um, MD-80, a lot of MD-80 experience, so that's cool. But l 11 and DC-10, have you even flew? Have you ever flew either of them? No, no, not even. I, I mean, I'd love to. Like, it's a bucket list to fly a three-holer, but never done it oh man um yeah i they were so i don't know what it is but they seem much bigger inside than the triple seven i mean looking at the dimensions the triple seven is a little bit wider and i think it's because the overhead bins overhead were bins. smaller yep yeah and, and, and there the were center, none in the middle none in the middle uh, yeah. it's, a, it's cavernous in there same with the seven four some of the yeah some of the seven fours all right so um doug anything else we gotta no that's it let's let's close up all right, so um, 
you know, in this final segment, um, is something we started last week to show everyone in the aviation industry that we're thinking of you. Uh, we are all in this together. Our hope is to get people on the outside, non-aviation industry folks to weigh in and show their support also. But what's amazing is that the vast variety, vast majority of people responding to us and using uh, this hashtag that we created, it's called Aviation Tough. They are on the inside, people in the aviation industry supporting each other. Yeah, it's really great to see. Uh, we got some really good messages again this week. So first of all, uh, thanks to what we're calling our hashtag enforcer, which is Greg Peterson. He's at mm. GPeteLex on Twitter. He's been calling people out this week for posting photos and, and other things and not using that hashtag. So well done. And, and thank you very much, Greg. And then Kathleen Clare uh, on Twitter said, thank you, Next Trip Podcast, for the positivity and encouragement in this uncertain and very strange time for our industry. Hashtag in it together and hashtag aviation tough. Yeah, and Reggie, one of um, our longtime listeners, thank you, Reggie, for your support. Uh, he said, I love this week ep- week's episode. Uh, the good news about COVID you shared about hospitals closing in China was a great optimism boost. Uh, he went on to say that he lo- he enjoyed the trihole discussion about the DC-10. Um, so, C. Doug, so you impacted at least one person. You got one <laughs> yeah. person onto Team DC-10. Um, he finished by saying, thank you, your podcast makes me happy. And, you know, just reading that, that makes me happy. Doug and I are happy doing this, and if it's making other people happy and giving people a break from what's going on, that's that, that's really great to hear. Yeah, and someone also said that they like hearing your laugh, so we'll uh, we'll try oh. and make we'll try and make Drew giggle a little bit more uh, yeah, throughout I think the it show. Ridiculous, but I'll, if it's gets us more listeners, I'll laugh. More. Yeah. Well, um, thanks everyone else who's using the hashtag Aviation Tough, and if you guys don't do it, um, please start and send some encouraging words to the aviation community. You can use it on Twitter, Instagram. We'll share your comments. Um, if, you're, if you're not on social media, if you have something that, that you want to pass on to the aviation industry, um, you can email us at nexttrip.podcast at gmail.com uh, and we'll, uh, we'll share it on the show. We also had some stickers made. We just kind of threw it together yesterday. So we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes and we'll tweet it out as well so you guys can pick up some uh, hashtag aviation tough stickers and throw them on your, your laptops or your, uh, your water bottles or whatever you guys do with those. So Thanks for your support and uh, everyone stay aviation tough. Yep. Thanks everyone for tuning in now more than ever. We all need each need to rally to keep each other positive. We'll be there for you every week. So stay in the conversation with us and stay aviation tough. Ryan, thanks for joining us again. And um, any closing thoughts for us? No, I appreciate you know what you guys are doing. I mean, I think now it's a good time for people to tune in podcasts and everything else. So, you know, hey, why don't you know people have a good opportunity here to listen to aviation content, and you guys are doing a good job. So it's been really good to listen to it, and uh, looking forward to listening to this one too. How it turns out. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. It's it's always great to have you on, and you're welcome to join us anytime. So just shoot us a message if if you've got something that uh, that that you want to get in here, and and we'll uh, we'll try and have you as kind of a regular on the show. And um, Thanks again. And, and thanks everyone for listening again this week. We know that you have your choice of podcasts. We really appreciate you choosing the next trip. Stay strong, stay aviation tough. This has been Boarding Pass 18. Until the next trip. This has been the Next Trip Podcast. Find us on Twitter at Next Trip Podcast or officerwayfinder.com slash podcast.